0: welcome home. I'm John Hernandez and you have tuned in to the CFA Church podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, that's what, that's what church is, guys. We're not trying to make bad people good. We're trying to get dead people back to life. Amen. Come on, somebody, somebody say amen to that. And we just want you to know Jesus and to love Jesus. Happy Father's Day. Again, not only is it Father's Day, we're doubly blessed at CFA on Father's Day weekend because it is our anniversary as a church. We're 61 today, so come on, let's celebrate that. Turn to somebody. Tell them happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, and and. Uh... Our founding pastors, our spiritual fathers, were in the last service, Pastor Tom and Betty Whidden, who planted the church uh, 61 years ago, so we just honored them and, and want to say thank you again to them so much. And, and another set of spiritual parents, Pastor Rick and Susan Ross, maybe you guys are watching as you are ministering in another church, no doubt, somewhere across North Carolina or the United States, and we're so thankful for our godly heritage, but we believe that the best is yet to come. And Amen, and that's what this service of vintage faith is all about. We're reaching back for some values that we would say, man, these values don't seem to be present in our culture, but we're reaching back and honoring our heritage, but saying as a new generation, we want to live this way. And so we're saying like in a culture that is preaching fear, we want to live with courage. In a culture that says to get in ahead in life, you got to tear everybody else down, we want to live lives of honor. In a culture that defines winning as the number of trophies that you have on your shelf we want to redefine it biblically of saying we're just going to get uh, back up one more time than we fall down fall down seven get up eight and and today I want to talk about this message that we're hearing in culture that to succeed in life you have to do something called self-promotion self-promotion Right. And so if you it doesn't matter if you want to succeed on the athletic field or in the world of the arts or in business or in academics, like if it's your promote, here's the gospel of the world, your promotion is up to you. If you want to succeed, here's the phrase that we hear, you got to build your brand. You got to build your brand. Like we see it in athletics all the time. I'm not reading this on everybody, but we see it used, to, it used to be the team. It used to be about the championship. Now athletes are making decisions whether to play or not to play in a game, in a contract here, not based on whether it's best for the team, but whether it's based on their next contract. Hello? So it's about, it's about the brand, we are living in a society where we are valuing the brand of an individual over a team. And so even this, this creeps into the church. And so it, it's about more, it's about individuals than the body and God steps into that. And he says, whoa, 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 that's not that's not how I created it. I mean, we see people, people are paying for social media followers. People, it's all about, and you hear this, right? It's about your LinkedIn profile. And if you're a businessman, you're getting ready to get on an airplane to Tomorrow and go to a conference. It's about how many connections can you make and how, how many shoulders can you can you uh, uh, rub you know and, and get to know and that sort of thing. How many how many relationships and networking and listen. None of those things are bad in and of themselves until we fall into this mindset and we begin to answer this question. So all of us got to answer this question. Y'all got to answer this question and you will live your life largely based on your answer to this question. Who? is in charge of my promotion. Who's in charge of my promotion? Is somebody else in charge of my promotion? Because if somebody else is in charge of my promotion, then I either got to live to please them or get mad at them when they don't. Or, or if I'm in charge of my promotion, then we fall into this building my brand and self-promotion. self, self promotion. I got to get my name out there and I got to get, my, I gotta get my, my resume out there and I got to get... Or, or could it be, could it be that the Bible is still accurate today and that if God sets your future, then he's in charge of your promotion. So the, so the story we're going to look at is the story of David, and, and it's the story of how he, he comes into, begins to come into his destiny. So David's a 13-year-old kind of kid at this point. He's tending the sheep. And, and Jesse, his father Jesse, has eight sons. And, and Saul was the king of Israel, and Saul was, was a warrior. Saul was a mighty man of God. He was a prophet. He was chosen by God, anointed by God. But Saul made a series of deliberate decisions to walk away from Jesus hear me hear me hear me I feel like somebody's like living in this um, like guilt isn't even the world it's torment it's torment somebody's living in this torment if you feel like you have backslidden beyond the point of salvation now hear me is it possible to backslide yes it is read the book of Hebrews the Bible talks about that that you can know God and walk away from God but backsliding is not that you made one bad decision or even 10 bad decisions. Backsliding is over the a series of your entire life you reject the Lord and purposefully say I knew Jesus as Lord and Savior but now I don't want to have anything to do with him and you walk away from him. Now if, if you are doing that you need to turn and repent but somebody needs to know that just because you made a mistake does not... Disqualify you from the, from the kingdom of God, and you turn and you repent and you make things right with Jesus, and He will heal and forgive you, but so that 's what Saul did. Saul walked through his life and he made a series of decisions i don 't want anything to do with god I'm gonna, I can handle this better than myself and so God the Bible says that God rejected him, and the Bible uh, says that God then appointed the prophet Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, and among jesse's eight sons, Samuel was going to anoint and uh, anoint the next king of Israel. And so eight sons, eight boys, Samuel comes into town. Jesse's all excited. And Jesse brings seven of his sons, seven of his sons to the, to the lineup. And, and, and so this is, this is crazy, y'all, that David, David's still out in the shepherd's field and he doesn't even get called to the, to the playground to put his toes on the line as they're picking up teams for kickball. Like David doesn't even get to the, get to that point. So, like, um, as, a, as, a, as a staff here at CFA, y'all have a extremely hard-working, they are workers, they are go-getters, they are putting in hours, uh, love this team. But if you work hard, how many of you know you got to play hard? you got to play hard. And so at noon on Thursdays, we take part of our lunch time and we go out on the playground field behind the village and we play kickball. And so, uh, so, so these games can get a little a little uh, uh, competitive, and, and I've got some, I could show you some injuries of the team members. I remind them, I was like, I'm like worker, workers' comp is off limits once you step onto the field. We're not, it's off limits, but, but, uh, but we, we pick teams. So the competition uh, makes itself manifest on the field, but we we do this. We play nice when we're picking teams. We pick teams in private. So the two captains will come and like we'll pick the teams because because have you been that kid? Like even if you were good athletically, have you been the little brother or sister that like you're standing there and your big brother or your big sister was the one picking teams and they're like, don't pick them, don't pick them. And it's the second inning and you're standing there like, come on, somebody pick me. I just want to get in the game. Like that was David, y'all. That was David. He didn't even get an invitation to the wiffle ball game and can you say like at some point in David's life how would you like to be David's counselor like that's a that's a counseling appointment right of like yeah I didn't even my father didn't even invite me and and it was all my brothers and and all of that that was the that was the scenario that was how David grew up he was the overlooked kid and so Samuel comes into town. And he goes down to line up, and Eliab's the oldest. And and God looks at Eliab, and God's like, no, 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 and all the way down the lineup, and finally David comes in from the field. And so uh, David, throughout his throughout his life, could have been a self-promoter. He could have been bitter. He could have been a lot of things. But I want you to look at the condition of David's heart because this is crucial. It's crucial for us. Do not look. Do not look upon his social media likes or his LinkedIn profile or his popularity or how, how, good his, how good his photos turn out. Don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Don't look at his grades. Don't look at every, everything on the outside because I've rejected him. It's not that they're not important. They're just not the cause of promotion. And this is what the Lord is still, the Lord has the audacity to speak truth into your life in 2019, just like he did thousands of years before Christ. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. A man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The condition of your heart has everything to do with whether you're promotable in the kingdom of God. I'm glad you spent some time on your outward appearance today. So is your neighbor. your neighbor. Your neighbor is thankful for the deodorant that you chose to use. Your neighbor is thankful for the toothpaste that you chose to, to use. Go, go ahead and just tell, turn, to, turn to your neighbor and tell them thank you. Been that they combed their hair. They look nice, smell good. Like, I'm, I'm thankful for your outward appearance, but what, like, just what if we spent as much time getting our hearts ready for church as we did our hair? Like, what if we came into the house of God and the whole time we were just, we weren't so concerned about our outfit. I got to, <laughs> my tribe, thankful for my tribe. My tribe will lift me up and my tribe will tear me right back down because that's what we do as brothers. My tribe. I got a text from one of my tribe members this morning. Hey, Pastor Doug's outfit, does he look more like a... Picture of Miami Vice or B, uh, Ross and Chandler when they came back from Thanksgiving. <laughs> and that was the. <laughs> I don't even remember that episode, but I was like, definitely Miami Vice, because I had that same thought as I was putting this on. But like, so I'm thankful for the outward appearance, right? But like, but like, what if we spent as much time saying, God, prepare my heart for the word. God, I'm going to get ready for worship. I don't care what Pastor Jerry's singing this morning. I'm going to enter in. And I, I don't care what pastor's going to preach on. I'm going to get a word. I'm going to hunt for a word. I'm going to find a place where God's speaking of. Like if that's your posture, when you come into the house of God, you're promotable in the house of God. And it doesn't have anything to do with your outward appearance. God is still at work. He's still looking at your heart. And if your heart is ready, then so is the spirit of God. God's as ready as you are. And so God says, I choose David. I choose David. I choose the one that everybody else overlooked. I choose the one that didn't even get invited to the lineup. I choose him. And it was based on the condition of his heart. Who's in charge of your promotion? Is it Jesse? Is it Jesse? Let me give you four people. Each one of these people uh, you will encounter in your life. Maybe in a past season, maybe in your current season, or maybe in a future season, but you'll encounter, you'll encounter every one of you has a Jesse. Jesse represents the father or the spiritual father or the spiritual authority in your life that never saw what was in you and never called that out of you. Here's what's interesting is that even after David was anointed, even after the prophet spoke over David, this is what God sees in you. This is your destiny. You are destined for the throne. I call that out of you, David. You would think that maybe Jesse would have said, hey, my bad, son. I'm sorry, son, I failed to see that in you, and I recognize that giftedness in you, and I call that out of you. But do you know that nowhere in Scripture do we find any account that Jesse ever saw it or that he said it? And I'm speaking today to a generation that many of you grew up with a father or a spiritual father, or a spiritual authority, that the calling and destiny in your life, your father never saw it, and he never said it. And I wonder if David lived a majority of his life kind of looking over his shoulder, saying, Dad, are you going to be proud of me now? Like, if I take care of the sheep really good, Jesse, will you say you're proud of me? If I defeat Goliath, Jesse, will you say you're proud of me? If I make it to the throne, if I sit on the throne, will you say, and some of us live, aren't entire lives looking over the shoulder, just longing to hear the words of that spiritual authority in our lives. I'm proud of you. I love you. I bless you. And hear me, if that's your situation today, I hurt for you. But know this, your future isn't behind you. It's in front of you. And if your heavenly father has declared your future over you, then no man or woman, I don't care what their title was. I don't care what their position is. But they do do not have the authority to, to declare your future, only your Heavenly Father can declare that. And so I know I'm, I'm using a little bit of biblical imagination, but I just, I just felt this and I just wonder this. I wonder even though if Jesse didn't say it, I wonder if he knew it and I wonder if he felt it. And he, Hear me, hear where I'm going with this. For some reason, see, the enemy attacks every generation in a different way. For some reason, the enemy chose to attack some of the previous generation's By handcuffing, handcuffing their emotions and their ability to verbally express those emotions. And so here's what I just feel from the Lord. Take it for what it's worth, but I just feel this deeply from the Lord. To tell you that just because your dad never said the words, I love you, or never said he was proud of you, that he did and he he loves you. He's proud of you. And for some reason, that was where he battled the enemy in his life. As the enemy stole those words and said, you can't do that. And he showed it. He provided for you the provision in your life, the provision in your life, the fact that you had food on the table, that was his way of blessing you, that was his way of showing you I know, that. listen, I know that's difficult but you need to step into that because otherwise you'll always be looking over the shoulder, always be looking would Jesse ever bless, even if Jesse, even if you never hear the words, it will not stop you from living free and it won't stop you from living in your destiny because Jesse's not in charge of your promotion and by the way, on this Father's Day, if you did have a good father that spoke those words, I think now would be just a good time to say, God, thank you. Thank you. Because how many of you know that's not, that's not common? That's rare. Call your dad today and say thank you, thank you, thank you. And I had somebody come up, come up uh, between services, uh, between the last service and this service. He said, "Pastor, that was me. My dad never said that, but he said, he said it stops. It stops now. It stops with me. It stops with my daughter. I'm gonna bless my daughter. My kids are gonna know that I love them. My kids are gonna know. And so I declare over you that it stops today and it stops now. You're free from your past and you ha- now have the words." To bless forward, so Jesse can't stop you from your your promotion. Eliab can't stop you either. So Eliab was the oldest brother. Eliab was the older, oldest brother. Eliab's in our life. They represent the people. They're, they're kind of like their colleagues or they may be siblings or, or people that are kind of in the same circle as us. That they may be like one notch ahead of us. But their goal in life is, see, they didn't get the promotion. So their goal in life is they don't care if they get the promotion. You're just not going to get it either. That's, that's Eliab. So the Bible says two couple things about Eliab. The Bible says, that "Surely this is the one." That's the wording of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Everybody looked at Eliab and it was, "Surely This is the one. And then shortly after that, a couple verses after that, it says, but the Lord rejected him. Do you know that the surely this is the one people are sometimes the people that live out of the deepest rejection in their lives? I'm talking about the people that have it all together. They got the best grades. They got the looks. They got the the charisma. They got It It looks like on the outside, listen, just because somebody looks like they have it all together on the outside doesn't mean that they're not living out of a place of deep-seated rejection. And people who live out of a place of deep-seated rejection make it their job in life to make sure that nobody else around them succeeds. Here's, here's what this looks like. So I got, the, um, I, got, I got my surfboards loaded up. They are in my truck. We got the suitcases packed. As soon as this service is over, I might preach the rest of this message really fast. So as soon as this message, like it's vacation time for the Witherups, we're going to go to the Outer Banks. I'm going to re-listen to last week's message, or at least re-preach it to myself. If you didn't hear last week's message before you go on vacation, listen to it. Turn off the email. Turn off. Set the the text messages to auto text. We got this great staff that I talked about. They're going to solve all my problems for me, and I'm going to walk back in to Utopia in Jesus. This name, it's going to happen, and, and all of these wonderful things, but, but, but uh, here's what I know, when I go, here, I got two goals, a couple of goals on vacation, I'm going to get in that salt water, and I'm going to eat some seafood, and, and we're going to get something like that low country boil going on with the Old Bay, and, and crabs, I don't know if you know this about crabs, but if you cook a, a pot of crabs, uh, you don't need a lid on the pot. You don't need a lid on the pot. You would think like, man, is there not one crab with a vision for his life? Like is there not one crab that w- that went to church that morning and heard the word of the Lord and said, "My destiny is not to get boiled. My de- I'm gonna climb out of this pot. I'm gonna get a raise. My God is the God of my promotion. I'm gonna live with I'm gonna live with destiny. I'm gonna live with w-. well. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. You don't need you don't need a lid. You don't need a lid. As soon as that one crab starts to climb out of that pot, those other joker crabs that didn't go to church that morning, they reach up and. they They grab that crab and they yank them back down. Now, some of you may not know this in your seafood life, but some of you know this in your work life. Because you work with a few of them. Every time you get a good idea, no, you don't. Every time you get the promote, come back down here. Some of you have some family members that you know what I'm talking about. Every time God starts moving in your life, you know, get back. That's the spirit of Eliab. The spirit of Eliab pulls people down. And can I tell you, this is a spirit that has made its way into the church. Eliab was a brother. We got to be careful in the house of God that we don't start living with an Eliab spirit of, oh, don't get, don't get you. I mean, love God enough to get into heaven, but don't get too passionate. Come on back down here. This is what happens when people are enveloped by an Eliab. It's a religious spirit that says this, I'm not free, so you're not going to live free either. So what do, you do? what do you do when you're surrounded by a bunch of craps trying to pull you down? Trying to get your dreams. Here, don't pray such, those, those prayers. Don't pray those kind of prayers. Don't dream. Don't dream. How, how dare you dream to give that much money away to God out of your business? Get back. What do you think you're doing going after that building? What do you think you're doing trying to, trying to live in that? Get back, get back down to my level. See, Eliab said three things when David was getting ready to fight Goliath. Eliab said three things. The first thing was, and he said, why have you come down? Why have you come down? In other words, what are you doing? This is an attack on your skill set. This is somebody, you don't have the skills. You didn't have the grades. You don't have the personality. You don't have the charisma. You don't have the leadership ability. This is that attack. And then it, it moves on. Eliab said, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now this moves on. This moves on. This is a deeper attack on like your, your heart. And, and this is like, who do you think you are? So not only do you have the skill set to do it, you don't have the character to do it. And then the third attack is this. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. The moment the moment you begin to assign motive to somebody else's action without asking them, you've moved into an Eliab spirit. And you need to repent of that and release that Eliab spirit because we have the tendency and the propensity to assign motive to somebody else's decision. You don't get to do that. You can ask them. You can go to somebody who you're close to. Hey, what you said, it felt like you were saying this. Is that what you meant? Hey, when you did this, I interpreted it that way. Is that how you meant? You can ask them your mo- about their motive, but you can't assign motive. And if you begin to assign mo- a motive, then you move into an Eliab spirit. And you're not, you're not climbing. You are. Here's what you're doing. You're deceiving yourself to think that you are getting ahead by pulling other people down. And so how do you deal with this? Like if you've got Eliab's in your life, if you got people pulling you down on your sports team, pulling you down, criticizing your artistic ability, pulling it down, criticizing your writing, pull, pulling you down, criticizing your oh, don't go for that. That degree's too high. Maybe maybe just set, settle for settle. The Eliab spirit says settle. Settle for a mediocre life of, with God. Settle for don't don't get involved in that ministry. Don't don't become a groups leader. I mean, I know I Miss Ladonna's calling you and she's asking you to be a groups leader, but don't you couldn't do that. Don't be a groups leader. Here's David's response. David's response. He says two. He does, He says one thing and then he does one thing. Seventeen twenty nine. First 1 Samuel 17, nine. Twenty nine. David says, "What have I done now? Was it not but a word?" In other words, David just had the ability to answer a question with a question. I love this. Listen, you can't answer Eliab. There's not a doctoral thesis with enough footnotes that you can put together to convince Eliab to change his or her opinion about you. You can't fix Eliab. You can't argue with Eliab. I love this about Jesus. Jesus walked in such freedom that he didn't think that he had to come up with an answer for everybody who criticized him, and neither do you. You don't have to explain your actions to everybody. You don't have to come up. You don't have to defend your motive because that's the enemy will will use this this Eliab spirit to question your motive. You just want to make more money because you're greedy. You just want to grow your business because no, it's because I want to give more to God. I want to give more to missions and the enemy. This is I'm telling you, this is a spirit that the enemy is using in the church. Don't dream for greatness because you're selfish. No, you're not. You're a child of the kingdom. And you will use your blessing to bless others. So go for it. Crawl out of the, crawl out of the pot and then and then uh, like put some paper clips together and throw them back over the pot and help your little crabby friends get them out of the pot too. Like that, do whatever, do whatever it takes. So David just answered Jesus. Jesus just answered the Pharisees. Read through all of the accusations against Jesus, and then watch how many times he never even really answered them. Just answered a question with a question. And then this is the second thing David did. And it says, and he turned away. So, so this is what that looks like. Uh, attack on my character. Attack on my skill set. Attack on my motives. Hey, hey, bud, what have I done to you? That's what freedom looks like. That's what freedom looks like right there. Is it some? Sometimes you just walk away. And you don't carry, don't don't t- don't walk away from Eliab spiritually, but carry his spirit with you either. Because sometimes we can we can walk away physically, but but then but then the spirit attaches to us, and then we start we start getting crabby, we start we start getting and we start pulling ourselves down. We start pulling pulling other people down. No, we that's what we do. We answer a question with a question, and then we turn and walk away. Who's in in charge of your promotion? Is Saul in charge of your promotion? Saul in charge. Saul represents the person who initially promotes you and then turns on you. Two verses that I want to compare with Saul. And Saul, this is the first, like 1621, and Saul loved him greatly. And David became his armor bearer. See, at first, Saul was like, David, you're my boy. You're next up. I'm going to bring you into the circle of trust. I'm going to bring you, David, come on close. And then two chapters later, The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. David didn't change. He was doing the same thing. He was doing the same thing that he did two chapters ago. And Saul loved him two chapters ago. But as he did day by day, and Saul had his spear in his hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Have you found that the very same people that love you one day can be against you the next day? Sometimes you're like, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing the same, like I don't feel like I've changed a bit. And we can't let the fickleness of Saul so with Jesse, with Jesse, you can't look over your shoulder. With 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 Eliab, you gotta turn. Here's how you live free from the Sauls in your life. It says that when the spears were hurled, when the emails were sent, when the Twitter war started, when somebody made the made the passive-aggressive comment and kept walking when the spears, spears were hurled. David, did you, you, you remember? Remember what David did? He he dodged he dodged a couple years ago i preached a whole message on this and i had dodgeballs lined up here and I, I made you stand i started throwing dodgeballs at you and I, and I talked about that one of the greatest spiritual things that you can develop in your life is just this bad email comes dodge N- negative words come dodge like if you can dodge that kind of stuff you will live so free so free and you david has a, had his eyes on his destiny so is it Saul is it Jesse is it Eliab is it Michael is it Michael? Michael represents the person who could have been your in connection. So Michael was Saul's daughter, and I wonder if David ever thought, "Man, I used to be in good favor with Saul and now I'm not, but if I marry his daughter, maybe that relationship will get me the in connection that I need." Right? So so maybe maybe David maybe David started putting his hope in Michael like Oh, now I'm not, I'm not just the, the harp-playing boy anymore. Now I'm not just David the warrior. I'm David. I'm David. And so maybe David, David tried to change his identity based on his relationship with somebody else. Now I'm David, the king's son-in-law. This will get me in. This will get me in. But watch this. You can't fix one dysfunctional relationship with another dysfunctional relationship and sometimes we just try to pile dysfunction on top of dysfunction to cover up the last dysfunction and we find out that if Michael is dysfunctional then it's just going to bring out Saul even more in our lives and we end up in more of a mess and, and here's the thing like Michael initially helped David so she helped David escape but then when David stepped into the throne onto the throne and we brought back the presence of God brought brought back the ark of the covenant and David was worshiping God passionately it was Michael who said David you're embarrassing yourself stop worshiping God that way and she turns on him too so what's like what do you do like all of again all of us we've had a Jesse or we have a Jesse or we'll have a Jesse and and an Eliab and a and a Michael and a Saul like what so what's the point of this whole message well well it's easy the application is this trust no one and live paranoid right like so (laughs) But that's what, of course not, don't do that. Don't leave now. But like, that's what can happen, right? Like, oh, they're everywhere. Eliab's are out there everywhere. And Saul's out there. And no, 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 listen. These are four people out of like a million people. And how many of you know that if you find one Saul, sometimes you're like, everybody's a Saul. Saul, here's what I know is that, <laughs> is that it only took you to see one snake this year and suddenly everything's a snake. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You saw one black snake in April and suddenly every piece of rope, every shoestring in the garage, every garden hose, you know what I'm talking about. Like every, everything's, a every, when you see one snake, everything's a snake. Not everything's a snake. Not everybody's a Saul because you had one Eliab in your life. Not everybody is an Eliab. And here's what you have to learn to do. You got to learn to keep your eyes on Jesus keep your eyes on Jesus. God, you didn't call me through Michael, you called me through your voice. You didn't call me through Saul, you you called me. And so you bless and you forgive and you you live free. Bible the Bible says this, so who's in who's in charge of your promotion? Well, Proverbs says it like this and chapter 21 the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the lord and he guides it wherever he pleases even your boss that isn't serving jesus his or her heart is like a stream in the hand of the lord and god's got it the bible says who's in charge of your promotion first peter 5 said that god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble so humble yourself under the mighty power of god and at the right time he Will lift you up in honor. Who's in charge of your promotion? James four. Humble, humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Who's in charge of your promotion? Jesus is in charge. He's in charge. The Holy Spirit's in charge. God's in charge. The people around you—they're not in charge. The negativity around you—it's not in charge. It's not going to hold you back. It's not going to defeat you. It's not going to deter you. The lack of blessing isn't going to hold you back. God is in charge of your promotion and he's declaring it today just as clearly as he declared it that day when he called you out of the field. You were a nobody back then, and you may still feel like a nobody now. And you might be a mom today. You might be a dad today, and you would say, I feel like I should have it more together. But maybe you feel like that same scared 13-year-old that was back in the field. But if God saw something in you that was promotable then, he sees it in you now, and God is speaking your promotion. It hasn't changed. You haven't lost it. It hasn't, it hasn't diminished. This is for somebody today. It hasn't diminished. You're not going backwards. You haven't lost it. It's getting stronger and stronger. Just because, watch this. David was anointed out of the shepherd's field But then Jesse sent him back to the shepherds' field. Just because your anointing is for the throne doesn't mean that God's not done with you in the field. You got to finish your season. You got to finish your season. Sometimes, sometimes the anointing of the next season is dependent upon how well you execute this season. Say, don't get preach this to yourself. Say, don't get ahead of myself. Don't get ahead of myself. You keep your eyes on the throne, but you but you shovel that sheep dung well. You know, what I'm ta- you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes how well you execute leadership on the throne is how well you take care of those sheep when nobody's watching. It's your integrity. Do you cut corners? Are you clocking in on time and clocking out on time? Are you taking the proper amount of breaks? Are you on social media when you should be working? See how you execute your life in the field matters for how you'll rule when you get on the throne. And so don't skip, don't skip seasons don't skip seasons. But just because you got called to the throne and you're back in the field doesn't mean you're not still called to the throne. It doesn't negate the calling. Some of you are in a, you're like, my position doesn't match my passion. But it does. But it does. If you will allow God to develop Not your outward appearance, not your resume, but God, develop my heart. While I'm working for a boss that doesn't appreciate me, God, develop honor. While I'm doing tasks that seem menial and nobody notices, God, develop joy. God, while I'm doing things that don't seem to matter to anybody else, God, I do them for you. I do them for you. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it as worship unto the Lord. That will make you promotable. You're not in charge of your promotion, but you're in charge of your heart. And you're in charge of living a life that is promotable so that when it's time for your promotion, God says, yeah, I like what I see. They're free, they're free. They didn't hold a grudge against Jesse. They're not mad at Eliab. They're not still talking nasty stuff about Michael. They're free. Saul, unfortunately, Saul never came around. He died in battle. Jesse, the Bible says, was advanced in years. We don't have record of him ever coming around and blessing David. Michael ended up living in in bitterness and barrenness because the thing that she tried to speak on David ended up boomeranging on herself. But Eliab, did you ever wonder what happened to Eliab? I never knew this. David's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love reading in the Bible about David. I I enjoy a couple of books about David. I've never noticed this. Whatever happened to Eliab? So when David came back out of the shepherd's field and he defeated Goliath and then he went into the service of Saul and and Saul threw spears at him and he went on the run and he went into hiding and he went from like king to king, and he would try to serve these kings, and sometimes the kings would let him into his land land for a little bit, but then uh, they'd throw him back out, and so at this point in his life, David found himself just being expelled from another. Remember, his destiny was the throne, but he wasn't anywhere near the throne. Every relationship in his life basically had been severed, and he finds himself in the cave of Adjelam, the cave of Adjelam. It was a lonely cave. It was a cave where David could have fallen into despair, could have fallen into depression, could have fallen into different things, could have fallen into, woe is me, could have fallen into, God, where are you? And and hear me, he he sometimes did. Read through the Psalms. David wasn't always uh, a worship song that you'd want to sing on a Sunday morning. So just because you're expressing some real and raw emotions doesn't mean that like God's big enough for that okay God's big enough for you to walk through those seasons walk through you don't live in depression you don't live in sadness you don't live in anger but but it's okay for you to vocalize those things and say God I gotta I gotta get this out to to you 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 help you help me you help me so David's in this cave of angel of, of agilom and and he's rejected and he's lonely and well, one, I want you to notice this. I've never seen this scripture before. So the Bible says David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when and went because because if you're called to be a king, you need an army. You're going to need brothers to you're going to you're going to need warriors to come alongside you and fight for you and fight for you. So where did these warriors and this happened in David? Where did they come from? David departed there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers. When his brothers, when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went there to him and everyone who was in distress and was in debt and everyone was bitter gathered to him and he became commander over them. When David was at the lowest point of his life, the first person in that cave saying, David, I got you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to get you to where God has called you. The first person was Eliab. It was Eliab. Listen, listen, listen. You serve a God that will take people that used to be against you and they'll be for you. They used to be your enemies, and God will use them to bring life into you. They used to fight against you, and now God will use them to be on your side. But if David, what if David would have done this? What if David would have got distracted from the battle against Goliath and killed Eliab? He would have killed the very source in the past season that God wanted to use to bless him in the current season. Because here's what you don't know. You don't know who Eliab is. You don't know who's against you right now, that it's gonna end up being for you. You don't know who's speaking negativity in your life, that God's gonna turn their heart. And so that's why you gotta learn to bless. You gotta learn to forgive. You gotta learn, come on, stand at every location right now. I feel the freedom of God in the house. I feel like somebody's gonna get free. I feel like somebody's gonna release some hurt. You're gonna release, release some unforgiveness. Come on, just vocalize that to your father. To the king of kings, God I bless them God I release them God I free them, I give them to you God, I give them to you Lord, somebody get free in the house today thank you God thank you God Thank you, God. Oh, come on, I feel that. I feel that. I feel like people are getting free. I feel like you're not going to look over. I feel like I feel like you're going to live knowing that you have God's blessing and you have Jesse's blessing. I feel like you're going to know that Saul isn't going to pin you to the wall anymore. I feel like you're going to know that God's going to bring Eliab around. I feel like you're going to know that God is for you, that God is promoting you. He sees a heart that he loves and he can trust. Come on, somebody shout to God. and the house today that he promotes you my promotion you God you God you God you determine my growth God the growth of this church is in your hands the growth of my family is in your hands your income give them your income right now give them your family situation you're not a dad and you want to be a dad give it that you want it you're not a mom and you want to be a mom give them that give them your future give him your future hallelujah hallelujah what if this father's day something got birthed in you just like god birthed cfa 61 years ago he birthed something that was small that turned into something oh by the way can i announce this to you can i announce this to you how cool is god that we just got word via social media, that Pastor John Hernandez is now the lead pastor of Center City Church. Hey! And we're not, we're not losing a pastor, we're gaining part of the family. That Center City is now joining what we're gonna call, I don't know if this is gonna be the name, but something like the CFA family of churches that we really believe for a renewed Antioch in Acts chapter 11, that there was a, an apostolic movement where the church just started to multiply. like like a multiply anointing on the house of God. And we're in the midst of persecution because persecution has never stopped God's people from multiplying in Jesus' name. So no matter who's against you, no matter what situation is against you, you still have multiply. My goodness, I feel freedom in this place today. (laughs) May God bless you. May God bless you to live free, to walk free, to live with joy in the midst of every adverse circumstance in Jesus' name. Come on, give them one more shout of praise in the house. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.